Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. We welcome Jonathan Sparling to today's podcast. Jonathan works at a company called Private College 529. We met at a conference, which is where I meet a lot of people in the profession. And as we started to dig into Jonathan's background, I was so intrigued that he came to this particular job from a job in financial aid. So if you're looking for some tips about financial aid, stay tuned. We hope you enjoy this show. So grab your favorite beverage, sit on back and sip away. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. We're just thrilled to have you. Um, I hope that you know, it's, it's a Friday that we're actually recording, actually a Friday afternoon. So uh, <laughs> one of the questions that I absolutely love to start the podcast with on this lighthearted note is if you have a particular wine that you like to would like to share with the audience is your favorite. Perfect. Well, Amy, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to speak with everyone and, um, you know, excited to be here. Um, you know, so it is Friday afternoon as we're recording, um, you know, and, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, something that, uh, yeah, you know, may, might have a drink tonight. So, um, <laughs> you know, there is, uh, there's, there's no might in my yeah, category there's, there's, here. <laughs> there's, no, there's no might. Let's just say it will happen. So, um, you know, there is, um, a, a really good, I, I've been, um, I like red wine, um, and there's a really good, um, uh, Malbec, uh, called layer cake. Uh, oh, I love that wine. Yeah, I yeah. I know that wine. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, you know, it was kind of, uh, actually a friend told me about it and, um, he, he really liked it. And, and then so I, uh, tried it and, and it's something that both my wife and I really enjoy. So layer cake Malbec is a very good wine. And, um, it was kind of niche. I feel like when it first came out and now I see it everywhere, which is good because it's a great wine. Well, I very much enjoy that. It, uh, we discovered that wine probably, oh, I'll say five or six years ago, actually. There was a, um, we were up in Rochester. I'm sure it was for okay. some continuing education class or something I was taking. And uh, my husband went into the Century Wine uh, Shop that's right there in Hen Henrietta. And he knows that I love Malbec. My husband does. So he asked the person there, like, give me your, you know, one of your, 
give me a good Malbec. And the, sure. the gentleman recommended layer cake. And uh, we got home that night, opened the bottle. I'm like, oh, this is, you only bought one? Like, what's the matter with yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Very tasty. <laughs> well, now I want a Malbec. I might have there to go. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you again for sharing that. For those that are not wine fans, we'll move on. But if you are, try layer cake. It is delicious. And I get nothing out of recommending them, nor does Jonathan. So yep, that's it. Um, yep. Good one. <laughs> Well, Jonathan, I think one of the reasons that I specifically asked you to be on the show, first of all, um, Jonathan and I met, I believe at a con- it was a virtual mm-hmm. conference actually. And um, Jonathan works for an organization called Private 529. And I was interested in exploring the basis behind 529 because a lot of people are familiar with 529 plans at a general level, but, um, but they're not familiar with private 529 and what you're doing um, at your organization. So before we dig into that, I'd love, and, and again, one of the reasons I asked you is not just because of that, but because of your journey to this company mm. um, and your background behind it. And so I'd love for you to just give a little bit of a, uh, as I say, what's your vineyard development, you know, give yeah, us a little yeah. bit of history uh, behind you as a person and, and how you came to work for 529, private 529. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because I feel like uh, my journey up until this point to, uh, to get to, um, to private college 529 has been one that's, you know, didn't I didn't imagine myself to be here, but when I look back and kind of where I started and the experiences that I gained, um, you know, did kind of lead me uh, down a path to one where uh, this position just makes a lot of sense, and it's so it's been it's been great so far. So um, I actually started my career in the uh, working in a financial aid office, and so as many of you listening know. Um, <laughs> You know, the financial aid offices at uh, various college universities play a, a major role in working with families on the financing side and, and in particular talking about financial aid opportunities, scholarships, grants, and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, and, and so, you know, I wasn't looking to work in financial aid and folks in financial aid will always say that you don't ever think that you'll end up there, but <laughs> you, you do. And, and, but what I really liked about it was it gave me a chance to um, understand a little bit about how decisions are made on a college campus while also working very closely with students and families as they were hoping to or or at the stage of making decisions related to uh, attending college and and financing college. And it was at, um, I worked in the aid office at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, which is an engineering school in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, And, and, you know, part of the work there, you know, again, meeting with families, but also one of the things that I got really involved with was working with students and developing a financial literacy program on campus. And so, um, Mm. you know, financial literacy obviously uh, is something that has continued to play an important role in my life. Um, But at the time on campus, there hadn't been anything like that. And so, we did some research about what other colleges were doing, what they were offering in terms of education and literacy around finance to their students. And we actually started a, a program uh, that was run through the financial aid office. And so that's kind of, um, you know, I, I liked the financial aid side and working with families, but I really liked 
the financial literacy and education piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from, yeah. Something, yeah, something we both have in common. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, that that's, um, if, if money truly was no barrier, like I had all the money I needed, I would make financial literacy for free, like my life mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it's so important, and there's so many different elements that you can um, you can work to to educate folks, and and also just I you know I was learning so much myself, and so that kind of that literacy and education really guided me um, throughout my career, and and I after leaving WPI I went to work for a nonprofit organization that was focused on providing financial education through a web-based platform to college students. And so I was, my role was to uh, work directly with the schools as they were rolling out this program Mm -hmm. on campus. Um, And then from there, I, I went and worked for a, um, a state-based uh, lender. Um, and so I, I kind of transitioned a little bit and went back into the financial aid side, but on, on working on you know, student loans. Um, and, but that organization as well um, had a strong focus on providing educational resources to uh, the, the families that it served, the families that it was serving. And so my career has kind of always been in the college financing mm-hmm. intersection of financial education space. And when the job at Private College 529 opened up, you know, what's so great about this is that you can weave in some of those individual um, lessons and some importance of thinking early and getting ahead and kind of relate it to some real actionable items through a college savings program. And so I feel like this you know, my past experiences of working in aid aid office and then (laughs) developing financial literacy programs and then working on the student lending side, you know, has really kind of encapsulated in, in, um, you know, getting to this point here. So (laughs) how did you learn about uh, private 529? How did, how did that even come on your radar? So funny enough, the, um, the, the president of the company, um, right now, Bob Cole, our current president, um, he and I both worked together at, um, a previous job, American student assistance. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah, which is great. And, and, you know, it was interesting when Bob took the job here, um, he and I stayed close and, and, you know, he was here and I was, I was at another position, but, I was always very interested not only in the certainly the work that he was doing here, but also just this idea of the private college 529 plan and really how it's somewhat unique in the world of college savings. Um, and so, you know, when the time was right, uh, we we got back together and started talking and, and lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> So let's, that's like the perfect lead in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have coached you better on that's that That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the uniqueness of Private 529 because um, it is very unique. And mm-hmm. so let's explore what you guys are doing, the uniqueness to it, how it can help people um, in their journey to for education and, and saving for education and, and all the things around that and, and how it works, you know, if you can, if you can sort of how it works into um, even some of the financial aid discussions sometimes you might be having or we really, yeah. the financial yep. planners would be having with parents. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I th- what what really makes um, Private College 529 plan unique is, is I like to say that, um, you know, within the college savings space, there is, uh, which is already kind of a, a, a smaller niche of a, of a space when we think about kind of global savings, right? You know, a lot of people think about longer term savings, obviously, they think about retirement. And so, College savings is a niche within that, and then prepaid plans are even a smaller niche, right? And so, um, mm-hmm. private college five to nine plan. The the idea behind the plan was really to uh, provide a way for families to plan long term uh, and to uh, save on the cost of tuition by pre purchasing or by purchasing tuition certificates at the cost of tuition today to be used in future years. Um, and so, you know, on its on its face, it is similar to other prepaid plans that are available um, throughout the country. But as I mentioned earlier, that uniqueness, you know, the, the, the first thing is that unlike any other plan in the prepaid space, we are working with solely, only with private college universities and close to 300 private college universities. Oh, it's like the 300 now. Close to 300. Yeah, we're, we're okay. hovering in the, the high 290s. We say close to okay. 300, right? Because, you know. We, <laughs> um, yeah, but the, but that's grown quite a yeah. bit. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, okay. Which is great. And so, you know, for folks who are thinking, who have children or for grandparents who have grandkids, and they're thinking about that a private college route might be in their son, daughters, or, or grandchild's future, the advantage of the plan is that if when you open an account and you deposit money, you are locking in whatever that current rate of tuition and mandatory fees is at all of the participating college and universities. And so no matter how much tuition goes up in the future or how much vol- volatility there are in financial markets, you are locked in to that rate of tuition and mandatory fees at all of the participating schools. And so like with other savings programs and and as we talk about with savings in general, the earlier you can start and the earlier you can start um, con- opening and contributing to a plan, the better off you're going to be because as we've seen across the board, tuition and fees are rising at college and universities is, is no secret. They, we anticipate they're going to continue to rise. And so, you can get ahead by opening an account and locking in those fee, those mm-hmm. tuition and fees today to be used um, in the future. So, it's really unique in the sense that, you know, we're working with private colleges, we're working across state lines. Um, and really, you know, we are doing what we can to get the message out there about not only our plan, but also the importance of, of saving early and often in whatever savings <laughs> vehicle you may choose. Early and often. Um, so, so let's talk about. Uh, so, so I think when you and I spoke yeah. um, initially, and I, and I said, okay, so you know, one of two pet peeves I have, right? And they're not pet peeves, but two two things that I would love to to be on a public stage speaking more about. One is definitely uh, the fact that um, literacy, financial literacy. Like again, you know, we already talked about that earlier. But the second thing is. When we think about college and we think about it, it, college 
even if you're like super smart, you know, college has got an expense associated with it. And next to the purchase of your home, probably the largest investment you will ever make, right? Other than saving. I mean, like, obviously you want to save a lot for retirement, but if you're talking about a very short term horizon period of four to five years, uh, probably one of the biggest ex- um, expenses that you will have uh, in your life, or sp- specifically for your children if you're a parent, or for yourself if you're paying for it. But we never talk about the pre-approval or the pre-planning process of it. We talk a lot about saving, mm-hmm. but we don't we don't sit down and say. Um, all right. So if we look at, you know, the various colleges that the, the students might be interested in, if we save, mm-hmm. if we save X dollars, you know, hopefully it grows at X amount of rate of return to cover what we think is X amount of inflation on tuition with the, mm-hmm. with the, with prepaying, basically, you're eliminating that cost of inflation, right? So that's one of the benefits. Mm-hmm. And yep. you're also, by nature, pre-approving yourself for that purchase mm-hmm. because you're now saying, I've, I've obligated a certain amount of assets to go. So when it comes time to, to actually go to college, there might be some additional money that you're going to have to put out of pocket for sure. And there's always the risk that it, you know, a bunch of aid does happen. And so you don't necessarily need it. But let's let's talk about the fact that, okay, let's say a, a parent does all that. They do all those right things. And then mm-hmm. the genius child that they have does get a bunch of scholarship, academic scholarship. What happens then? Mm-hmm. So if um, a family had opened a plan, uh, it becomes an account owner with us through private college 529 and their son or daughter um, kind of knocks it out of the park and gets a ton of scholarship, uh, which is great too, right? You know, that's certainly a, a great thing that scholarships uh, don't have to be paid back. The families have uh, a flexibility with, with what they choose to do with the funds. So the first thing that they could do is that they can actually change the beneficiary um, to uh, someone else. They, they could rename the beneficiary. So if they wanted to, they could say, you know what, these funds, it was initially for this child's, they get a lot of scholarship, we can rename it and we can actually change the beneficiary of the plan. Um, the other thing that they can do is that they can choose to use the funds themselves to cover the costs of tuition because, again, they locked in those tuition and fees. And so it is a possibility that even if they got a fair amount of scholarship from whatever college or university they chose to go to or that they're enrolling in, mm-hmm. that might still not cover the entire amount, right? So if it costs, uh, you know, let's say $50,000 to attend a school, that's tuition fees, room and board. If the student got $20,000 in scholarship, well, it's possible that that $20,000 might only be covering room and board, right? And maybe some other fees. And so if they have an account with us, and because they've locked in those, those tuition and mandatory fee rates, what we advise them to do is say to the college or university, because on their behalf, it doesn't really matter where the scholarship dollars go to cover. Let's use this prepaid plan to cover tuition and fees. And let's use the other scholarship dollars from the university to cover, let's say, room and board costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that option as well. The other option is that families can request a, um, a withdrawal of the funds. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can withdraw those funds and roll them into a, a traditional 529 plan. Um, and again, have some more flexibility in what you choose to use those, those funds mm-hmm. on. 
Um, so that is an option as well. So there are options when it comes to if the family saved in the plan and then lo and behold, the child just, as I said, knocks it out of the park with with scholarships mm-hmm. from the school. Mm-hmm. And I guess I asked you to answer that question because I wanted to make sure that people understood that um, it's not like they're if it's not like they're giving up the money. You know, it's not like the money is going to be like just gone. There's there's options. Um, and, and so when we think about a family, you know, we think about um, maybe there's multiple children or something like that. That's a save often <laughs> and say, you know, save, save frequently, saved mm-hmm. often is really important because, and especially mm-hmm. if the kids yeah. are within a few years of each other, it's super critical. What was the main reason that Pri- private 529 was started? So the primary reason um, that private college 529 was started, it really had to do with a, um, you know, a concerted effort amongst the founding members of the plan, which again, uh, another distinction with private college 529 plan versus others is that this plan itself, the funds are guaranteed by the participating institutions. And so that's different than your other 529 plans and and certainly your other prepaid plans, which are uh, state-based. And so you know, in the the late '90s is when a group of private colleges came together and said, you know, we want to think about ways to um, allow families a chance to save and to get ahead and to plan for increases in tuition that we anticipate will continue to occur. Um, and can we create a plan that provides some peace of mind in terms of of guarantee return on funds um, while also building in some flexibility to the plan. And really it was the effort of the colleges themselves and the, the private colleges, obviously the ones that we work with looking at and recognizing that with the founding group, the idea of creating a, a prepaid plan specifically geared towards privates and then going out to their colleagues to kind of bring them into the plan as well would really benefit both those families who are thinking ahead in the future, but then also the colleges themselves as they are looking to enroll students, um, you know, continuously every year. I mean, it's no secret that uh, there is competition amongst college enrollment. And so if you are in a plan that allows families to lock in those rates and get ahead, um, you know, that can certainly be advantageous when it comes to uh, enrollment as well. So it was really having those families in mind and thinking about ways that they could uh, save and and be well positioned uh, to pay for the cost of college. Mm-hmm. Now, you served when you when you were in the um, student loan or excuse me, no pun intended there. Sorry. When you were in mm-hmm. the, um, <laughs> when you worked in um with, with the students themselves, sorry, I couldn't get my words out. Um, the, you, you heard a lot of concerns about people being able to afford to pay for college and um, trying to figure out with, 
what the aid was, right? Trying to trying to come up with the numbers for the individuals. So when you decided to move forward with with this venture instead and, and move away from you know the the I'm sorry, this is all the financial aid that you get to here, let me ha- try to help um, people educate people on saving more for college. Was the original thought that you would work yeah, with yeah, yeah. other financial planners or you know is, is this something that like parents can go and directly participate in? How do, how do people find out about this? All of those questions. Sorry, I kind of rapid fired at them. Yeah, no, no, that's totally fine. And I think they're all they're all related, right? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, f- first and foremost, uh, families themselves, parents can go and open an account on their own. Pretty quick to do. Uh, right to our website, privatecollege529.com open an account, name the account owner is typically a parent or a grandparent, and then they'll name their student as the beneficiary. They can go open an account and um, start contributing right away. With the, um, but, you know, what we do recognize and realize is that for many families, uh, we know that college savings and and planning ahead, or we hope, uh, it is a conversation that's happening early, right? And it is built into kind of a larger uh, financial plan that they are perhaps discussing with their um, their personal financial planner. And so, you know, we work with advisors to educate them on this plan. Um, to provide them the resources that they may need to speak to it so that when they're having those conversations uh, with families, uh, they and, you know, they're doing their due diligence as they all do in terms of, you know, aligning goals and financial priorities that they this is another plan, another another tool that they can recommend to them. Um, but we also know that when we, it is our, it is our goal to again not only provide the education to financial advisors around this plan, answer any questions that they might have, but also um, you know be a resource for both advisors and families to learn more about the college planning process. And we do that through, you know, the, the, our product is the product and it's it's a good savings vehicle, but we also have a, a direct connection with, again, close to 300 private college universities and some well-rounded and, and really smart professionals on those campuses. And so, you know, how can we provide education uh, to folks around early college planning, around, um, you know, some of those decision-making processes when it comes to admissions and financial aid. So, you know, we view the the product as something very uh, important and, and we hope that folks will take advantage of, but we also want to position ourselves as a resource to uh, both advisors and families. I think that is, I think that is one of the most interesting parts. And um, I think education is a big piece of it, right? I think it's so critical that we include education as part of the the process, um, mm-hmm. at least, again, I think that goes back to our financial literacy roots, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. but I think you know, not everybody, um, not everybody seeks the advice of a financial planner. They want to do their own homework, and I think yeah. I also think that there's a lot of um, 
parents that that they meet when they're in college and maybe there's a legacy there that says okay you know like we would love for our child to go to this school when they get to that point in time but the uniqueness is that it's not just for like one school it's at this point right. in time for you said almost 300 but that network is growing like you're yes. that's not something that's going to say stagnant so as you continue to grow as a company for um, somebody who has a child that's you know four or five years old right now, by the time they need that money, that would be a pretty significant amount that mm-hmm. could be used for um, schools that aren't even on the list at this point in time. Which leads me to my next question. What if you have a school that you really would like your child to go to and they're not on the list? Mm-hmm. So if they're not on the list, then we are always adding new schools. Um, I'll start with that. Last May, we added Georgetown University, which was a, a great school to bring on. Um, I know a lot of folks. What a loser Georgetown. of a school. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. A great, a great one to bring on for sure. Um, and so folks are happy about that. So, Go you know, I, yeah, which was great, which was great. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting if... You know, certainly if this, if a school isn't on the list right now, what I would say to folks is continue to check in because we are actively working to um, recruit more schools to the list. Um, the other thing I would so in terms of the actual open the opening the account, perhaps it's not the best for you if that plan is to go to a school that's not on the list. But keep checking back because, like I said, we're adding new schools. The other thing I would say that, um, and and this is maybe more of a stretch, but you never know who's listening. If if there isn't a school on the list and you would like to see them on the list and you have a connection to that school, let us know, right? Let us, how can we, maybe not you, or, but maybe you, uh, work together and, and approach a school, a private college, because that's who we work with and say, look, we've got this great program. We've got almost 300 colleges. We have some interests from um, potential enrollees of your institution, uh, how can we can we work to get you in, in part of this plan? Again, I recognize that's a longer stretch and we're not suggesting that we want you to do the work for us, but I do believe there is some power in that. And to say, if there isn't someone on the list that you would love to see on the list, then, then reach out to us because we are always... Um, mm-hmm. actively looking to recruit more. Um, yeah. So, so when you think, I, I guess just um, thinking about like either on a personal level or even within the company itself, when you think about some of the things that have helped form your vineyard, the company's vineyard, some of the nutrients, um, what are some of the takeaways that people, people can be thinking about informing their own journey with, I guess, getting ready to, not even like last minute, but like mm. when when you're thinking about so January is we're, we're honoring the idea of people getting organized in January. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. your finances are organized, then it really you know it's so much easier to plan. One of the, yeah. the top things that we work with people on when they first become clients is to to sort of get it all together, right? Have a central location that we can kind of go to and and be organized around your finances so that 
you can build from there. Mm -hmm. So thinking about like, again, the nutrients and the influences, what are some of the recommendations that you have around, and I'm drawing from your, your student loan Oh, yeah. I keep saying student loan. I keep saying that. It's like this pun that I can't get over. I'm so sorry. <laughs> How about student aid office work, but then also the new work that you're doing? What are some of the recommendations that you make around that? So I think, you know, and it, and it, the, the timing is is um, really interesting that we're talking about this. And I, we um, I just did a, um, a recording with a, a video recording with uh, admissions professionals from two of our participating schools, uh, USC and DePaul University. And we were talking, the topic of the video was, was college readiness. Um, mm. And what, and it was great. And so, you know, we're, I'm excited to release it and, and they were fantastic, but really the, the conversation was, was all about what students and really families can do as they are transitioning from call it those middle school years for the student, obviously going into mm -hmm. high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I'll, of the, of the many takeaways that I thought that the, the presenters spoke to I think one of the most important ones was take the time and from, you know, I think from the student's perspective and really from the families, take the time that you have now to certainly start planning for college in terms of savings, start savings for college, kind of research the different uh, plans out there, um, you know. But really, thinking about college readiness, you the earlier you can start, the better, because you can think about, all right, what is it that I enjoy doing, right? What is it that as a student that I hope to do in the future? And really, you know, how does that intersect with what the family expectations and priorities are about college, right? Just talk about college, I think is, is maybe where I'm landing. Just have mm -hmm. conversations about what college means to the parents, mm -hmm. what college means to the students, what do you hope to achieve from it? And again, it doesn't have to be this, um, you don't have to land at a solution. But I think just the earlier you can start talking about college, because it's very different now than even when parents went, right? And so, and and what, you know, in, in the work that I continue to do kind of on the side, just talking with some students and, uh, you know, a, a little bit about financial literacy, you know, their expectations of a college experience, I think are, are different than what others have had in the past. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I would say from what to do is just talk about what the students' expectations are, what your sons or daughters, and then what your expectations are for college. Because I think that will help set some realistic boundaries and some, you know, thoughtful planning around what we hope to achieve with the college experience. And I think that drives so much of everything else, right? That drives um, what savings vehicles you're looking at, um, you know, the potential majors, the, um, where you would want to go to college, you know, you're staying local or going away. Um, and so I think that's a trickle down effect. So I would, I would, I would start with that. And then one other thing I would say, um, for parents who have children who are perhaps even younger, just kind of take advantage of and read as much as you can about this process. And mm. when I say as much as you can, do it to a point where you're not stressing yourself out because certainly um, things will probably change in the future. 
Um, but there's so much information out there now. There's so much about, you know, thinking about college and, and making it, uh, again, just kind of a conversation with the family. Take that time and and just just start having those conversations. I think that's just a very very important thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think one of the the points that you keep saying, and I just I want to I want to call it out of the conversation just a little bit because I think it's so important for parents and and students the like to hear. Um, when we're when when parents are and students are getting ready to make their final decision to the college that they're going to go to. This is the first super big adult decision that they're going to be making. Mm -hmm. And they should be included in all parts of that decision-making process. Mm -hmm. Not just the, I want to go to this college, but all parts of it, to the funding of it, to Mm -hmm. the expectations of it, um, laying out what the student's role is and what their job is, Um, you know, like... For example, with some of our clients, we have suggested and they've taken us up on the the process where we sit down and review all of the colleges that the student is interested in, what the mm-hmm. funding looks like, where the gaps are, how much they're going to walk out of college with debt, um, what their student loan payment will be based on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of you know reputation those colleges have, what their placement rates are, what their graduation success rates are, like all of that is included in the analysis that we do for the the, the, um, the student and the parents. Yeah. And we talk to the student mm-hmm. in those meetings. We, we, don't, we don't talk to the parent. We've already had the conversations with the mm-hmm. parents. It's now time for us to have that conversation with the student. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just want to call that out because, you know, you've said a couple, like you've are, you've said that in your conversation with me mm-hmm. that it's a joint decision, but often, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've heard, well, you know, this is their first pick and we're going to figure out a way to get them to go there. Yes. <laughs> My comment a couple of times has been, are you sure, are you sure? Like, mm-hmm. do you realize that you're now, that, that by doing this, you're saying that it doesn't matter how much debt they walk out of college college with, like that's the college they should go to because that's where they want to go. I don't know any parent that really truly wants their child to walk out of of college with 50 or 60 or $70,000 worth of student loan debt. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, we would, when I was working in the aid office, we would uh, encourage students when we would talk with families um, in our office about, you know, if they had questions about their financial aid or if it was a, mm-hmm. an appeal situation or, or whatever it might be, um, you know, we encourage the student to write the letters, the student to yeah. to talk with us. And and I think that, you know, to your point, it's and, and, and so that was kind of on the aid side. And then, um, you know, there is that that vested interest and owning the process. And I it's also, you know, with the <laughs> we could have a whole nother conversation about <laughs> college decisions and, and the the make or break. But you know, what I will say to families and and look, you know, I have two young children and so when they when it's time for them to go to college, if they go to college, then maybe I'll be the <laughs> I'll go, I'll eat my own words. But, you know, I hope that I remember and say to myself and remind myself that there are 
gosh, close to 4,000 colleges and universities in the U.S. Now, not all of them are private, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't, you know, the, just because I work for PC529, I want everyone to have the, the best college experience. And and there is, there is a match for you. And mm-hmm. I... Gosh, you know, there is, there are plenty of opportunities for your sons or daughter to succeed. And, you know, with my background and just where I sit, I always, always think finances first, I guess. Right. And so, and, and again, like I know that, and we know college is a very emotional decision and we get mm-hmm. that. And I appreciate that. And like I said, I hope that I remember that when, when it's, time for my <laughs> um, you know, I'll have to listen to this, but I think it's, it's important to, you know, remind ourselves of that. And like you said, just, just show the numbers too. Cause I think numbers yeah. sometimes. I do. I think that they need to know that this is an adult decision that they're making. They need to be included right from the beginning, because I don't know how many people I've worked with over the years that have said to me, I just wish somebody would have told me what I was going to, you know, how much, how much the student loan debt was going to cripple me throughout the course of my, I mean, they're in their forties and they're still paying back student loans, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so many people have told me that, that I, you know, I, I think that has made me as a financial planner more, Uh, And I will use that when I'm talking to clients Mm. to say, well, you know, a lot of people say to me that are in their 40s, like, I wish somebody had sat down before I went to college and told me this stuff. Maybe I would have made the same decision. Possibly I would have made the same decision, but at least I would have known it. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have been a conscious decision instead of like, this is what I'm saddled with. And I didn't even know I was going to be saddled with it. So. What um, I guess uh, I guess in closing because I've already held yep. you about twenty minutes longer than I told you, no, would, so I apologize. Um, I, I want to. I, I always like to finish the podcast with sort of um, you know the the tidbit about uh, uh, I guess what we call nourish your vine section, where where we take a few minutes and and just ask you as a guest to provide maybe the number one financial lesson that you've learned in your life. That's a great question. Um, so I was, um, I would say, heavily influenced uh, around money from um, my grandfather. Um, and so, you know, I think there, you know, we all have different influences when it comes to money and our behaviors mm-hmm. and things like that. And so it's it's always interesting to dive in. Um you know, but I, I was, um, I was always heavily influenced by just kind of observing him and, and, um, you know, the, the small lessons that I would pick up as a very young child, you know, as much as, mm-hmm. as much as grandparents can, can instill wisdom or, or that I was looking to listen, um, at the time. But, you know, I think one of the things that has always stuck with me and it, it will be a little bit cliche, but, you know, I think cliches are there for a reason. It's just that, um, before, and, and I would see before making any, um, financial decision, whether it's large or small and, and maybe not this small, but really the large ones, just taking some time to actually think about what it is that I'm about to embark on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's differences between buying an actual thing versus an experience, uh, you know, versus kind of putting your money in an investment vehicle. But, you know, just taking some time to actually think about it and maybe weigh the pros and cons. Sure. Even if you don't write them down, maybe do them in your head. Of course, mm-hmm. I'd like you to write them down. Um, but just, um, I think that, that 
you know, taking some time, thinking about it, maybe walking away and then going into the decision, whatever it might be with the clearest mind that you can. So, mm-hmm. you know, that has been, that is something that I try to instill in my daily life. It's to just stop, take a minute and really think hard before making any large financial decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's something that I try to follow. More than the five second rule, right? <laughs> More than the five second rule. That's a great way to say it, right? Yeah, you know, and and I think it's tough, right? Because you know, it's it's very easy to make quick financial decisions with Amazon and other, you know, with everything, you know. Um, so I I try to instill that, and I I don't always do a fantastic job, but I, yeah. you know, my wife always makes fun of me. She's like, just just do it already, and I'm like, nope, I can't. Like I I want to think about. So, um, that's what I, that's what I try to do. Well, I am, I, I believe I love Amazon, Amazon, and I am great (laughs) friends. Um, but I do have, I have a limit. Like I have any, any purchase that's over $50 has to go in my, um, shopping, um, my, uh, what is that called? The, uh, the holding list or whatever I think I call it, the shot. So Mm -hmm. it has to go and sit there before I'll actually, that's like my rule. That's how I, how I limit my, my five second rule is that I, I, if I like something, then I put it in my wish list. That's what it is. I put it in my wish list. And then if I still really, really, really want it and I keep going back to it, you know, then, um, then I will eventually purchase it, but it's, it's, um, it's prevented me from being too crazy when it comes to Amazon. Uh, I was online the other day. This is something really silly, but drives home your point. Like, um, so those of those that have listened know that I spend part of my year in upstate New York and part of my year in sunny Florida, which is generally very warm, but we have about like two weeks of winter, right? What's called winter Mm -hmm. down here, which is more like fall. Um, but it's chilly. Like when your blood is thinned from it, it gets chilly. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I need an electric blanket for the two weeks that I use it every year. I need it. (laughs) You needed it. So at the time, yeah, at that moment I needed that electric. So I put it in my wish list because the one that I was looking at was like dual control and like super fancy, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I put it in my wish list and I went back to it twice actually. And I'm like, okay, maybe I really should buy it. And then I looked at the weather forecast and it was going to be like, you know, mid seventies, up higher seventies next week. I'm like, okay, I think I made it through. Like I actually didn't end up purging that, but, but the, but you know, those are the kinds of things like two weeks out of the year is that something I really need um and and it saved me from spending like 75 dollars or something like that so I I you know I I am a big believer that um treat I treat your finances a little bit like you would treat um uh food that's dropped on the floor (laughs) think think about what you're ingesting (laughs) if you pick that up and put it in your mouth (laughs) so true right it's so true and it's and it's it's tempting not to operate that way, right? You know, it, <laughs> well, it is, right? And and yeah. for a variety of reasons, right? The way things are set up and structured. And so, right. um, yeah. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much. That's a great tip to be sharing. I'm sorry we didn't get in. I, there's so many other questions that I really wanted to ask you, but I know uh, I know the attention span of our, our listeners and I know my own personal attention span. I might just have to bring you back on for a webinar. <laughs> no problem. I would love to. Absolutely. 
as we start getting into September, sorry, as we start getting into uh, yeah, February, when it's becoming critical that if you have not done that FAFSA, you better get her done. Uh, it might be a great idea to, to do some education around that. We, uh, uh, we talk about getting organized in January, but we talk about upping your assets in February. Mm-hmm. And so we actually, in all honesty, are going to be doing a webinar with Jonathan about some college planning ideas and concepts and sharing some of those really confusing terminology words and what they mean and and how you know how you can get uh, smarter about college and you said that college readiness it's so important for people to know the terminology around getting prepared for college so stay tuned this is not the last time you're going to hear from the two of us we so appreciate you all tuning in and look forward to hearing uh, what questions, comments, and concerns you have. Thanks for being on the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Amy. And thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.